Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't live a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and joining me again today is Haley. Hi. Uh, we have been struggling at the Hunting History Podcast with this flu that's going around. I'm curious, is it a, f- well, I don't know if it's a flu or a virus, but our household has been hit by several different bugs, I think. Yeah? Yeah, it feels like it. I had the flu for about a week and I still don't even know for sure if it was the flu or not. I did an online appointment with the doctor and they kind of just threw the flu diagnosis at me and told me to stay home for a week and I I got better. But then Miss Haley flew to Dallas. So she was on two planes and around what, a thousand germy kids? Oh my God, at least. And she came home with something completely different and she decided that she kept calling herself a mouth breather. So she kept going to my purse and taking out my uh, lip balm and using that. And I wasn't really paying attention to it or thinking about it. And I was probably already, um, what is it? A weakened immune system. Yeah. And then, so then she gave me that. So it's been cool. It's, we've been fighting every different type of bug. So we're trying to get better, which made our t-shirt contest a little bit later than we um, anticipated. But we did announce the winner and it was Allison Photography. Allison, your t-shirt went in the mail today, so you should get it within the next couple days. And when you do get it, we want um, you to post a picture of you wearing our shirt and tag us all over so that we can see that you got it and that you love it because we love ours. And I've been trying to, you would think while I was sick that I would be able to do all kinds of research, but I wasn't. I was literally sleeping 90% of the time. And I did at one point started looking for stories. We're still going to do Lizzie Borden, but that's not going to be until the end of the month. Today's story is about, well, it's called Lost Boy Larry. And I, I'm not even going to ask you if you've heard of it because I know that you haven't. I mean, I don't, I, it's hard to find information about it just because it's just not very publicized. Mm-hmm. But you, you don't even, the story originates um, on a CB radio and you probably have no idea what a CB radio is. Other than what you just learned today when I called your grandmother. Yeah, but no. Like if someone would have asked me before, I probably wouldn't even thought that that's what it was. CB radios were, I I think they were pretty much our first social media. It was the way that people communicated with each other um, in different states and different places. And it was actually invented, the CB radio, it's the Citizens Band Radio, was invented for those of you who don't know. And, I, and I'm assuming a lot of people don't know. It was funny. I talked to Tress today. And her family had a CB radio in Wyoming. She even had her own handle. And they were, it was a craze in the 1970s that people, not just truck drivers, had CB radios, which would, that's kind of what the, the purpose of it was. Or I don't know, businesses had it, like plumbers and stuff where they could contact each other before phones were invented. But a lot of people used it as sort of a social media type thing to meet people in different states and chit chat with other people. There was a lot of kind of like I, after hearing it explained and then hearing it like that, it's, 
I feel like it's kind of like how dad and the boys play those video games. And meet people in other and, states. Yeah. yeah, and becomes friends with these people that they play video games with. Yeah, it was kind of the same thing. The radio became popular with small businesses and blue-collar workers, like carpenters and plumbers and electricians, who used the radio as a tool to communicate with co-workers. And then by 1960, the cost to produce the 23-channel radio was low enough that everyday Joes could afford to buy one. By 1973, which is a coincidence with our story, the CB radio craze erupted. Like there's a whole lingo with CB operators. Bear in the sky was a police helicopter. Mm -hmm. Smokies were um, police traps. Okay. In 1973, the truck drivers used the CB radio to um, form like a protest over the new 55 mile an hour speed limit. And then um, the CB radio became so popular that additional channels were opened up and 40 channel radios were introduced to the market. So people had these in their trucks and at home, like your grandfather alone had uh, a CB radio in his office that he, he didn't use to, he didn't use it for work. I don't think, although your grandma said that sometimes when she couldn't get a hold, he must've had one in his truck too, when she didn't know. It's funny. I call it the first social media, but they were also the first cell phones. Yeah. From what my husband tells us, they had something like 30 antennas on the roof or something where they could reach all the way to New York and Canada and stuff with their CB. So it was really normal. I saw, I watched a video clip today of a movie and I couldn't even find the name of the movie. It might have only been a video clip that of a movie that never came out, but it was a, a boy on a CB radio saying, like talking to truckers and stuff. And they tracked him down really easily with tracking devices to find out where he was. So that's why this story confuses me so very much. And we'll just get right into it. I wanted to explain what a CB, ra- CB radio was because I don't think that people nowadays really think about what it is no yeah. but they were just so if if you had the money you and if they weren't that expensive you had one in your house and you used it to talk to truckers and things like that and you learned the lingo and you had a handle we found out today that your grandfather's handle was cinder block and um tressa said her brother was i want to say steel sharks or something and then your dad was said so your grandpa was cinder block your dad was half block and your uncle was quarter block quarter block so in the 70s and 80s, well, your dad would have been doing this in probably the 80s, but during the 70s and 80s, it was a bit, it was sort of another entertainment thing that people used. And people listened to it like they do police radios and things like that too. So on August 7th, 1973, a CB operator in California received a call from a young boy who was pleading for help. He said his name was Larry. And that he was trapped in a red and white pickup truck with his father, who was possibly dead. He claimed that they had been out hunting rabbits, but the truck was involved in an accident and the vehicle overturned. The truck overturned. Other CB operators said that they heard the transmission and the frantic search for the boy began. Now, the first people to hear the call for help from the little boy have no doubt to this day that it was a real cry for help. Yeah. They, the problem that they had originally was that the boy never gave his last name and I'm going to counter that later with a newspaper article because I re- found more information. They say, theorists who believe that this whole story was a hoax automatically say, well, the boy never gave his last name, which is sort of like, my name's Larry Smith. My name's Larry Jones. So like right there, when you first start reading the story, you just automatically assume, oh, it's, it's bullshit. It's not even a real mm. story. I don't know that I think that. Because how, right how that, old is he? He said he was seven. I don't think a seven-year-old would say his first and last name. 
Well, they didn't just talk to him once. Now, mm. this went on for days. And they said that the boy never gave his last name. He gave varying reports about the condition of his father and the nature of the accident. In one communication, and this was the original communication, he kept saying his dad had a heart attack. And that doesn't throw me as much because a, a seven-year-old wouldn't know what happened to his dad. Do you know what I'm saying? Like anything could have. Yeah, I don't think so either. You, and that was the first thing he said. I'm, I'm in a truck. We got in an accident. My dad had a heart attack. Um, in later communications, he said that his dad was alive but unconscious. So all he kept saying for sure was that he was trapped in a red and white truck that they had gone rabbit hunting and they were on their way home. And the truck hit a ditch and flipped over. And both doors were, he couldn't get out. The door on his dad said he couldn't get past his dad and it was um, laying where the both doors were in a gully of some type. So he couldn't open either doors. Now, the thing that was really frustrating for the people that were listening was that the signal kept fighting in and out. Mm -hmm. And they said that he kept changing the channels. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there were at least 23 different channels back in 1973. And that was kind of something people did. Had he not known how to use the radio, he would have watched his dad flipping through the channels trying to find an open a break. Yeah. So... He kept changing the channels, so they couldn't get him to stay still long enough to get all the information that they needed. And the other problem was is that the signal was really weak. Now, people say that the signal was weak because the truck had overturned, and it could have been partially lane or fully lane. Like, I heard one person say that he believed it was a hoax completely from the beginning because the truck, if it landed upside down, the the antenna, which you absolutely have to have for a CB radio to work, would have been crushed and nothing would have been heard ever, not from mm -hmm. the first transmission. I don't necessarily believe that because it doesn't mean that his truck, he couldn't explain what happened. If you were in a rollover and you're seven, like the truck could not have flipped over completely on its side. It could have been a tree on one side. He couldn't really see. It was upside down in a truck with his dad. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, but if you're upside down, it means you're on the roof, which means the antenna can't be. He said he flipped over. Like, not necessarily that he was laying upside down. The truck flipped over, he said. So he could have just been on the side. Could have been on the side. Could have been anything blocking the doors. Um, the operators were frustrated because the signal kept fading in and out, probably because of the antenna. And they heard the, the original operator that heard him was in California. But they heard him all the way in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, New Mexico, and Canada, even as far as Canada. Authorities began their search in New Mexico because they tried during one of his transmissions to track him. And again, he wasn't staying on the same channel. He was flipping around and he wasn't always answering questions. He seemed confused. He would, um, he was crying a lot of the time where they couldn't even understand what he was saying. So the, um, authorities at one point were able to determine that he was in the New Mexico area. So, this happened on August 7th was when the first call came in and people started reporting it from all over all the different states. Authorities began to search in New Mexico and thousands of volunteers started to search for the missing boy. His signal grew weaker every day, which was they thought was confirmation that it wasn't a hoax because his it, his signal would have been running out of battery as the days went on and he was getting weaker and he didn't have food. He said he didn't have food. And then the worst part started happening was that other operators who sort of took into their own hands that it was a practical joke started mimicking Larry and saying that, like getting on and, and, and saying that they were him and giving different information. So then the information started coming to the authorities wasn't, at, it 
was people reporting who they thought was Larry, but it was a practical joker. On August 12th, they had not found any sign of the boy or his truck and his signal disappeared for good. Authorities came to the conclusion that the entire escapade was nothing more than a hoax. During the search, one rescue worker said the boy actually called himself David during one of the phone calls. But that's the thing. Was he talking to the little boy, the original little boy? Or was he talking to one of the practical jokers? Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry also claimed, and this is this is one of the people that 100% believe that it was true. There was a rescue worker who was a retired army. He was in one of the planes and he was able to talk on the CB radio to whom he believed was Larry, and he flashed his lights, and Larry told him he saw it at the same time that he flashed it. So then they spent even longer hours in that area and still couldn't find him. But it was a heavily forested area. It was mountainous. Anything could have happened. The dad drove the truck. If he, if they really were, if they were out rabbit hunting, he would have driven the truck into a rural or heavily forested area Mm -hmm. in a truck. The army sergeant claimed that he spoke to Larry for three hours, but didn't get any information on the boy's condition or location. The search was finally called off on August 13th. And the reason I'm telling the story is because there are people out there to this day that still 100% believe that Larry, that they failed, that they let this little boy go. Right. And that makes me really sad. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, again, thought it was a hoax and did kind of, crazy stuff to draw attention to themselves but i want to read you the article this is i think this is when they called the search off the active search this is albuquerque new mexico the active search for a small boy believed lost somewhere in the new mex in new mexico ended yesterday the boy's voice had been heard pleading for help over citizens bound radio for five days but police said the calls may have been a hoax state police chief martin vigil said the decision was made to cancel the hunt because air and ground searchers had not come up with any real definite definite information to establish that the situation was valid. We have not come up with any information that is definite enough to say that there is actually someone out there and where this person might be. Vigil said that there was no way to prove the calls for help were a hoax unless authorities found a person responsible. The boys' calls for help were first reported last Tuesday by California Citizens Band Operator, and since then, operators across the U.S. and some in Canada reported picking up the distress calls. The signal said the boy's name was Larry and that he and his father had been on an, in an accident. The boy said his father was dead or injured in their pickup truck and he didn't know where he was. A few Civil Air Patrol planes crisscrossed over central New Mexico yesterday while about 150 persons hunted on the ground. But Vigil said that they were ordered off the search at nightfall because of the lack of new leads. More than 30 civilian and military aircraft carrying some of the most sophisticated Radio tracking devices in existence had been involved in the search. Several hundred persons on foot and and in vehicles with radius secured a wide area of the state. Vigil said that it would be impossible to estimate the cost of the search in terms of time and money. So the people that heard him believed that he was real. The problem was all the pranksters that thought it would be funny to make fun of it, to like get people all riled up. Mm -hmm. What I don't understand is why they couldn't pinpoint where he was if it was a hoax now if it was some little boy sitting in his house playing on his dad's cb radio it would have been easy to track they would have been able to find where he was right if he really was a little boy in a truck that flipped over then he would have been difficult to find because they wouldn't have been able to pick up the signal properly because of the broken antennas and him flipping the stations. Mm-hmm. So 
one leads you to believe that it was a hoax. One doesn't. I found this other article. It's really actually hard to read, so bear with me. It says, and this was before the, the, this was before they called off the search. It says, the mystery was compounded by relatively few clues that the boy could offer. He could not say, he could not name or the searchers could not hear his hometown. Now, this is what, this is someone who was there. So they're saying, the theorists who believe that it's not true say that he never said what his mom's name was, never said where he was from, never said what state he was in, and never said his last name. Because he was asked and didn't respond or because it never came up? No, of course they asked, like, where are you? What state are you in? What's your last name? But why didn't he answer? This explains why he didn't answer. They said that he either didn't answer or they couldn't hear. And a lot of the, I found some other things where people were saying that they would ask him a question and someone else would pipe in and ask him another question. And then someone else would pipe in because they weren't, they were begging people to clear the radio channels, but because something in 1973, they said something like 650,000 CB radios were owned in your home. By 1977, it's 14 million. But in 1973, when this happened, 650,000 people around the United States own CB radios that they use. Mm-hmm. So in this article and the other article that I read, it kind of contradicts the people who say it was definitely a hoax because they were saying that every time they were trying to ask him questions, they would try and keep the channel clear and they would be asking him questions. And he was confused. He didn't have water. He didn't have food. His dad was either dead or dying. And he was upside down in a truck. And so it's not conducive for a seven-year-old to answer questions anyways. Right. And they said that a lot of times they couldn't even hear what he said. Like they would say, what what state do you live in? What's your home address? And he would go to answer and someone else would pipe in. Over with, him. Larry, what's your name? What's your last name? Yeah. yeah. So the confusion of it all is... So that's what I mean. It's hard for me to know for sure either way if it's true or not. They said they couldn't hear... He didn't, and he didn't know the general area where he was lost, for sure. I feel like with the reports of him crying and stuff, I don't see that being a hoax. A, a seven-year-old, or I mean, I guess if it's oh, it could an have older been a kid year pretending old. to be, right. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it as a hoax. I don't think it says that this lady, um, her name is Mrs. King. She said the boy indicated he could not get out of the cab of the pickup truck and that he was injured. We don't know if he is pinned in the cab. Or how seriously injured he is, she said Wednesday night. At sundown, I asked if we could see the sun. An ACRA unit relied that his response was that he couldn't see the sun because it was raining where he was. Reports from ACRA units in the 4th of July Canyon area of New Mexico indicated that it was raining in the canyon. Now, this is August. And he said it was raining where he was. Like, I mean, I guess like we live in California, so it seems weird to think. Yeah, it never rains in August. Yeah, but we were in Wisconsin in August and it was pouring rain. Oh, yeah. So it does. So my my thought, just my theory just went out the window. Was your theory that it doesn't rain in many places in August? Right. Right. And it clearly does. Mrs. King said um, that we believe his parents must be divorced and his mother is unaware of what's happening. A A C R A spokesperson said the search, search of the 4th of July area would be hindered because of heavy rains reported in the area. We have to probably go in on foot since we don't want our vehicles to get stuck in the mud. Please talk to me. We're going to get you something to eat. I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you myself and get you a double Mac, said Captain Rick Tweed. He was the Army sergeant that was searching in a plane, trying to pick up radio signals from the boy Wednesday afternoon. 
keep talking about anything. Keep talking to me. Tweed continued as the aircraft picked up the boy's voice over what was thought might be a mobile device, a mobile CB radio, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. That it was in his dad's truck. He said, my name is Rick. Talk about anything. He said as the aircraft containing special detection tried to intercept or lock on the boy's transmission. Lieutenant Robert Larson, co-pilot of the Army search plane, said the crews arrived in Albuquerque around 2 p.m. and immediately began picking up the boys' broadcast from what he thought might be a mobile radio. The signal began to get weaker as the day progressed. So Wednesday, I think, was three days into this. Mm-hmm. We heard his transmissions quite a few times. He wanted something to eat. Then someone cut in and in and warned him to keep talking, and he said, what do you want me to say? So, like, people, again, were cutting in, like they're trying to tell him stuff. Just then, someone came in and knocked him off the air completely. So officials had difficulty throughout the day attempting to keep the radio frequency channel clear so that the Army aircraft could lock in on the boys' signal. You're doing a fantastic job, Larry said, Tweed, as he attempted to keep the boy talking. We can find you, but the other people on this channel need to bear our request to keep it clear, which they weren't. Mm -hmm. Larry, we're trying to find you. You just continue talking. Say a prayer. Say stories. Tell us anything. We're trying to find you. We'll stay up here until we do find you. Tweed was overheard telling the boy on the radio, on the radio. Tweed told the journal that the strongest radio signal seemed to come from a point north of Albuquerque. But Tweed warned that the pursuit, like them trying to find him, the radio type can, kept getting break-ins from other transmissions between the aircraft and the boy, and they're unable to get a fix. So every time they would kind of zone in on where he was, someone would break in and say something, and then it would break the thing. He said because the signals were bouncing off the mountains also, the boy not, might not be in the area at all, even though his signals were strongest there. They could have been going back and forth off the mountain. Right. Meanwhile, two National Guard helicopters searched the um, Denning Truth and Consequences in Los Alamos areas, still unsure of where the transmissions were coming from. State Police Captain Mel West said that this was the most unusual case he'd ever run across. There's just not anything concrete to pinpoint, to pinpoint the location of the boy. Miss Darlene Ross of Fontana told the journal that she first heard, first heard this distress call about 6.30 Albuquerque time on Tuesday. Further reports indicated that persons all the way to Mississippi heard the calls and the boy channel hopped attempting to get assistance. Like he kept changing the channels at first. State police first believed that the boy might be in southern New Mexico near the Gila Wilderness. But then the ACRA dispersed over a different area and picked up the signal there also. Was there ever like a missing person filed or anything? That's the thing. No one ever, no one ever was looking for a little boy named Larry. There was no reports. But the problem is, is 1973. They don't have the accuracy that we have now in our, to go state to state to state. And they don't really know if he was in New Mexico. He could have been in California. He could have been anywhere. They have no, he never once indicated the state that he was in or they never heard what state he was and in. And they just thought New Mexico because that's the like strongest signal ping right. or whatever they got. Right. But they never got the ping to last long enough to pinpoint exactly where he was because of people breaking in on the channel. Like people just weren't listening. They were yeah, telling well, people. I, to- people do that now it doesn't i know it doesn't surprise you at all right it's one of the weirdest unsolved mysteries there are people that firmly believe that it was a hoax that it was probably a teenager mimicking a small child which could happen and they say because of the fact that he didn't give his name he didn't give his state didn't say his dad's name 
and there were no police reports ever to be found of missing persons of a boy and his father. Other people say that it was definitely not a hoax. The people that were part of it say they have explanations for each one of those things that every time they tried to ask him something, people would break in and they wouldn't be able to. And he was really frantic and the people listening were really frantic to get information. So nothing was handled really well. Other people say the search wasn't handled very well. It wasn't very organized that there are many, many places that were missed. And they say that the reason that they don't know about any lost boy or missing child named Larry is because they really, really don't know what state it was in. It could have been anywhere between California, Mississippi, all the way to the Canada border. Mm -hmm. So back in 1973, they did their searches, but... I mean, what happens if it was a mom? Maybe it was divorced parents. Maybe the mom, the dad had custody of the boy and she only saw him once a month. She wouldn't know for two weeks and they probably wouldn't be searching anymore. Yeah. So it's still an unsolved mystery. Nobody knows. It's so sad if it's if real. Lost boy. Yeah. If lost boy. For the other thing too is that as popular CBs were, I mean, it's the same thing with podcast. On Friday night when we were out, and we were asking people if they listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Three out of the six people that I talked to, three said they didn't even know how to listen to a podcast. Yeah. So CB radios were kind of the same thing back in the day. You ask six people if they've used a CB, three of them are going to say they have no idea. Right. If, say, the Chuck, like the boy, the boy and his father were somewhere in like Mississippi or Alabama or something, and someone did rescue them, but didn't know the CB connection or that he had been on the CB or whatever, then how would those, how would that news, how would it ever come together? How would it ever correlate? Right. So we don't know. We don't know if Lost Boy Larry was some teenage prankster, which I don't believe. I don't know who can make a good enough oh, no, seven year old voice. Oh, that's not, that's really why you don't believe? To cry and to. Yeah. Mm, I mean, I guess people are crazy. People but. do that kind of crap all the time. That is not the reason. My reason is that I think that they would have been able to track where he was. If he was sitting in If he was sitting in, yeah, if he was sitting in his dad's office or in the garage, I think they very easily could have tracked where he was coming from. Yeah. I think that clearly it was mobile and that there was something wrong with his connection that the, like the antenna had broken or something. So it's a sad story. No one knows if Lost Boy Larry was really a lost little boy or if it was just a prank. Yeah. It doesn't really have anything to do with haunting, but... Is history and it's an unsolved story. And, um, there are, it's on Web Sleuths. If you want to learn more about the story, I don't know that you'll be able to find more than what I found, but people, I, I tracked down some of these names that I found in the different articles and tried to find the people to see if I could talk to them personally mm-hmm. and see what they believe, but I couldn't find anyone in the shorter notice. They do, from what I've read though, the people that were part of the story 100% believe that it's real, that it was real. Was Lost Boy Larry a random bored teenager playing games with their dad's CB radio or a real-life boy and his father whose lives ended in a tragic accident 46 years ago? I guess we'll never know. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Also, you can join our Patreon site for exclusive content, upcoming contests, and information only available to our Patreon members. 
Visit our website at huntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode and links to our Patreon page and all the social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat, and remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.